It was, as the Politico website accurately observed, the speech President Barack Obama never thought he'd have to give. Standing in front of the cameras in prime time, the man who won the White House in part due to his opposition to the Iraq war prepared the country to get even more deeply enmeshed in the violent part of the world he'd spent much of his presidency trying to get out of. Obama's approval ratings are down, and so, it would seem, are his spirits. As the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick, perceptively put it recently, after six years in office, Obama broadcast his world weariness with one gestures and pauses. The world has stubbornly denied him his ambition to transcend its cruelties, pivot smartly to the east and do some nation-building here at home. Obama's halting cool at the lectern now reads too often as weakness, and when he protests against the charge of weakness, he can seem just tired. As the Middle East disintegrates and a vengeful cynic in the Kremlin invades his neighbour, Obama has offered no full and clarifying foreign policy vision. Yet, as Obama began his televised speech to the nation the day before the 13th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks on the United States, he plunged in where he probably preferred not to tread, at first recalling past successes. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak to you about what the United States will do with our friends and allies to degrade and ultimately destroy the terrorist group known as ISIL. As Commander-in-Chief, my highest priority is the security of the American people. Over the last several years, we have consistently taken the fight to terrorists who threaten our country. We took out Osama bin Laden and much of al-Qaeda's leadership in Afghanistan and Pakistan. We've targeted al-Qaeda's affiliate in Yemen and recently eliminated the top commander of its affiliate in Somalia. We've done so while bringing more than 140,000 American troops home from Iraq and drawing down our forces in Afghanistan, where our combat mission will end later this year. Thanks to our military and counterterrorism professionals, America is safer. But past success has been far from complete. Still, we continue to face a terrorist threat. We can't erase every trace of evil from the world, and small groups of killers have the capacity to do great harm. That was the case before 9-11, and that remains true today. And that's why we must remain vigilant as threats emerge. At this moment, the greatest threats come from the Middle East and North Africa, where radical groups exploit grievances for their own gain. And one of those groups is ISIL, which calls itself the Islamic State. The president's use of the term ISIL is interesting in itself. It indicates that potentially the United States and its allies face a regional threat, not just a threat in Syria and Iraq. ISIL is a name the terrorists gave to themselves on April the 8th in 2013. It means Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. The Levant currently means the states of the eastern Mediterranean, namely Cyprus, Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Palestine and southern Turkey. For the terrorists, ISIS refers to the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham, another word for the Levant region. 
Presumably, Obama uses ISIL because on 14th of May 2014, the U.S. State Department announced its decision to use Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, ISIL, as the group's primary name. But Obama concentrates on explaining the political rather than the geographic substance of ISIL. Now let's make two things clear. ISIL is not Islamic. No religion condones the killing of innocents, and the vast majority of ISIL's victims have been Muslim. And ISIL is certainly not a state. It was formerly al-Qaeda's affiliate in Iraq and has taken advantage of sectarian strife and serious civil war to gain territory on both sides of the Iraq-Syrian border. It is recognized by no government nor by the people it subjugates. ISIL is a terrorist organization, pure and simple, and it has no vision other than the slaughter of all who stand in its way. In a region that has known so much bloodshed, these terrorists are unique in their brutality. They execute captured prisoners. They kill children. They enslave, rape, and force women into marriage. They threaten the religious minority with genocide. And in acts of barbarism, they took the lives of two American journalists, Jim Foley and Stephen Sotloff. But Obama carefully mentions that the ISIL threat is not necessarily limited to the broader Middle East. If left unchecked, these terrorists could pose a growing threat beyond that region, including to the United States. While we have not yet detected specific plotting against our homeland, ISIL leaders have threatened America and our allies. Our intelligence community believes that thousands of foreigners, including Europeans and some Americans, have joined them in Syria and Iraq. Trained and battle-hardened, these fighters could try to return to their home countries and carry out deadly attacks. Obama is very careful not to give even a hint of U.S. unilateral action to meet this growing threat with ground troops. But this is not our fight alone. American power can make a decisive difference, but we cannot do for Iraqis what they must do for themselves. Nor can we take the place of Arab partners in securing their region. And that's why I've insisted that additional U.S. action depended upon Iraqis forming an inclusive government, which they have now done in recent days. So tonight, with a new Iraqi government in place and following consultations with allies abroad and Congress at home, I can announce that America will lead a broad coalition to roll back this terrorist threat. Our objective is clear. We will degrade and ultimately destroy ISIL through a comprehensive and sustained counterterrorism strategy. Clearly, U.S. air power through the use of jets and drones will be a major factor for the coalition. Already in the last few weeks, U.S. carrier-borne jets have flown over 150 strikes against ISIL targets. Now, Obama anticipates a four-part strategy. First, we will conduct a systematic campaign of airstrikes against these terrorists. Working with the Iraqi government, we will expand our efforts beyond protecting our own people and humanitarian missions so that we're hitting ISIL targets as Iraqi forces go on offense. Moreover, I've made it clear that we will hunt down terrorists who threaten our country wherever they are. That means I will not hesitate to take action against ISIL in Syria as well as Iraq. This is a core principle of my presidency. 
If you threaten America, you will find no safe haven. The U.S. will also increase its support to and its advisors with regional forces fighting ISIL. In the process, Obama is willing to do what he has declined to do so far and support the opposition in Syria. Second, we will increase our support to forces fighting these terrorists on the ground. In June, I deployed several hundred American service members to Iraq to assess how we can best support Iraqi security forces. Now that those teams have completed their work and Iraq has formed a government, we will send an additional 475 service members to Iraq. As I've said before, these American forces will not have a combat mission. We will not get dragged into another ground war in Iraq. But they are needed to support Iraqi and Kurdish forces with training, intelligence, and equipment. We'll also support Iraq's efforts to stand up National Guard units to help Sunni communities secure their own freedom from ISIL's control. Across the border in Syria, we have ramped up our military assistance to the Syrian opposition. Tonight, I call on Congress again to give us additional authorities and resources to train and equip these fighters. In the fight against ISIL, we cannot rely on an Assad regime that terrorizes its own people, a regime that will never regain the legitimacy it has lost. Instead, we must strengthen the opposition as the best counterweight to extremists like ISIL, while pursuing the political solution necessary to solve Syria's crisis once and for all. Obama briefly mentions, without explaining, a unique development, a U.S. president participating and actually chairing a U.N. Security Council meeting. Third, we will continue to draw on our substantial counterterrorism capabilities to prevent ISIL attacks. Working with our partners, we will redouble our efforts to cut off its funding, improve our intelligence, strengthen our defenses, counter its warped ideology, and stem the flow of foreign fighters into and out of the Middle East. And in two weeks, I will chair a meeting of the UN Security Council to further mobilize the international community around this effort. Obama is also able to report that in some ways the coalition which he calls for is already in operation. Fourth, we will continue to provide humanitarian assistance to innocent civilians who've been displaced by this terrorist organization. This includes Sunni and Shia Muslims who are at grave risk, as well as tens of thousands of Christians and other religious minorities. We cannot allow these communities to be driven from their ancient homelands. So this is our strategy. And in each of these four parts of our strategy, America will be joined by a broad coalition of partners. Already, allies are flying planes with us over Iraq, sending arms and assistance to Iraqi security forces and the Syrian opposition, sharing intelligence and providing billions of dollars in humanitarian aid. Obama carefully stipulates that he is not repeating past mistakes. Now, it will take time to eradicate a cancer like ISIL. And any time we take military action, there are risks involved, especially to the servicemen and women who carry out these missions. But I want the American people to understand how this effort will be different from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. It will not involve American combat troops fighting on foreign soil. This counterterrorism campaign will be waged through a steady, relentless effort to take out ISIL wherever they exist using our air power and our support for partners' forces on the ground. 
Obama's ratings may rise, his standing may improve, but in one way the future will probably be like the past, even though Obama desperately wanted it to be different. Thus, when he hands over to his successor in two years' time, he will be repeating what former President George W. Bush did with him and transferring responsibility for another incomplete foreign conflict.